0: Welcome to Back of the Rotation, uh, this is episode 11, I'm AJ. And I'm Greg. Uh, no Will today, uh, Will's fine, he's just got school stuff, but um, this is going to be a shorter episode. Well, fir- first of all, glad to be back, I know we were out two weeks, I was out of the country in Honduras. Um, so it's glad, I'm glad to be back, glad to be doing the podcast again. We're not really sure as we move along what the whole uh what the schedule of the podcast is gonna look like when we're gonna be able to put out an episode, but make sure you guys stay tuned to our social media, uh Twitter and Instagram at B O T R Pod. Make sure you guys stay tuned for that. We'll put out more updates on when when we're doing the podcast and whatnot. But speaking um, I know Greg and I in like our little pre-show thing, speaking of this This is kind of like a little nugget. I said I just got back from Honduras. Uh, Mauricio Dubon Mm -hmm. becoming the first Honduran-born player to make his major league, um, to be on a major league roster. He hasn't play made his major league debut yet, but he will hopefully make his debut tonight when the Giants play the Padres at 9:45 Eastern. So, I think that that's pretty cool. I mean, Dubon's story—he was 15. When a baseball missions team came to Honduras and he was living in San Pedro and baseball missions team came down, he had already uh, had an interest in baseball. I think he might have played baseball a little bit while it was down there. Um, and then his mother asked them to take him home so he could like hone his skills. And They said there was nothing really that stood out about him, like he wasn't this, you know, great prospect from the Dominican 15 year old Dominican prospect that they were like, Oh. You know, he wasn't like one of the Mesa brothers or something. But they took him home, and he went to a school in California, I think near San Francisco, and then he got drafted by the Red Sox in the, like, 26th round, and then here he is on a major league team. And that's just – that's an awesome story right there. So Mauricio Dubon hopefully making his debut tonight. That's a shock.
1: You know, when I read that, I was shocked because – Um, I guess my knowledge of baseball in Latin America is pretty weak, you know. Of course, everybody knows Venezuela produces
0: Yeah, yeah. You you have the basic (laughs) countries. Venezuela, Cuba, Dominican, you know. the, The big Latin American countries that... Yeah. I just assumed Honduras was,
1: uh, producing players too. But, um... Uh, apparently, and this is something that I heard from you, AJ, once, uh, a few weeks ago, is that baseball is really not that big
0: at Honduras. Not that it, it's really not. I mean, when I went down last year and we, on a mission trip, we taught kids uh, about baseball. Like the, now, granted, this is in like rural, the rural mountains of Western Honduras. They didn't know baseball. Even the translators who are much better off didn't know anything about baseball. So, it's just, it's not as big a thing. I think because Mauricio was in a big city like San Pedro, that it was a bigger thing. But it's just it, it it's interesting cuz you got Guatemala and Nicaragua, which while they're not big baseball powerhouses, they still had they still pump out, you know, baseball players. They still pump out guys that are going into the minors. There are guys that have been in the majors. So it's it's very interesting that Hon- this is the first Honduran guy to come out of Honduras. Uh, playing the majors, and that's just like, wow! So that, that's very cool. Very cool for him, and very cool the uh, story with that. So, really we're well, interested to see how he does. Let's see what he does for baseball in
1: Honduras too. Oh Both yeah. If he can put up numbers and he can become popular and get his name on on the internet more often than not for doing good things, getting a lot of hits, maybe making great plays, whatever. Then he becomes a, a role model and a leader, and then he can be the the, the catalyst to get baseball in Honduras. And and uh, gosh, you know, AJ, I know I'm moving really, really fast right now, but I could actually see you uh, as a part of this team <laughs> to bring baseball to Honduras and make yeah. it make the game. And and uh, maybe you know, in twenty, fifteen, twenty years, we start getting more and more Honduran players. Maybe five here. Next year it's ten, you know, and it just keeps growing. I, I think it'd be awesome.
0: Yeah, I mean, if if he puts up numbers, he could he could be the David Ortiz, like maybe even more. He could be the David Ortiz of Honduras. Mm-hmm. You know, it's big. You know, because San Francisco, San Francisco is a big market. You know, a very very storied franchise. So to have his name with that, and if he can put up numbers and have Honduras behind that, because it's always gonna you know, come up. Mauricio Dubon, born in San Pedro, Honduras. Yeah, the Giants so, have a rich
1: history with Latin America too. They've had yeah.
0: they a lot of great Latin American players, so it'll it'll be interesting to see if MLB has any sort of uh baseball initiatives that go maybe in the Honduras, you know. They have theirs that go into they have theirs that go into other impoverished countries. Um but it'll be interesting to see if they break ground in the Honduras. You know, and how and how that goes. So.
1: Just keep, just keep in mind. I learned this uh, a few years ago. Uh, when I, actually, when I was in the Peace Corps, we, we we brought baseball to Uzbekistan. Believe it or not, we had uh, we had the kids out there playing baseball. It didn't it didn't it didn't uh, uh, have any um, sustainability because uh, there was nobody following us that kept the league going. But um, it was the kids had a great time and they had a lot of fun. But the point is, is that we um uh, we got we got a donation from Major League Baseball. To, they they sent some catchers gear, baseballs, gloves, bats. That it was it, and it was a small amount. I mean, we weren't asking to you know to stock a team like a college baseball team for the year, you know. But it was enough for us. And so yeah. that's I think that you guys might want to consider in the future is addressing MLB or maybe uh, maybe a local
0: university to see if they'd be willing to donate something to the cause. Yeah. I mean, who knows? One day in the World Baseball Classic, we gotta have a Honduran national team. You know, right. that would be that would be something to see. That's up to be,
1: I'm sure you'd be very proud, and you'd be. you have to. Um, I, I would. That SA, would be amazing. But if they if the, if you know if the Hondurans are not playing the Americans, I'm sure you'd have your Honduran hat
0: on. Yeah, that 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 would just be amazing. Um, so, <laughs> props to Mauricio Dubon, and we hope that he. Uh, we hope that he does well. Yes. and also. If you go to the game tonight in San Francisco, it is Hello Kitty Night. So, <laughs> Are they giving a special kids? event. They're giving out Hello Kitty hats, I believe. So, Wow. Can you- Keep an eye out for that. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, put your Hello Kitty hat tonight and see the first Honduran player play oh baseball. So, <laughs> I'm telling
1: you uh maybe we should dedicate one of our podcasts to uh our like if we were a general manager of a minor league baseball team and and what kind of promotions you'd put on if you had if you had to draw people to the stadium so
0: oh yeah minor league baseball promotions like are so interesting because they gotta they you know have to get interesting to draw people there i mean there's a writer for m i l b uh benjamin ben hill um and he writes about, like, minor league promotions and crazy minor league promotions and all. And just some of the stuff he writes about, it, it's just it's super cool. It's super It's uh, super crazy. But, yeah, we could definitely do that in the future, like a uh, promotions-themed episode, you know, a giveaways-themed episode. So
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe we need to do that for this podcast, too, to get
0: more people to listen. Yeah, yeah, maybe we need to have our own Hello Pity Night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, on to other news uh, in the baseball field. So we're wrapping down August. August is almost over. Uh, season's got like a month left. So that means wild card race and the pennant races are heating up. So I'm just gonna go through who's leading the divisions. Right now, we're going to touch on the American League first, and then we'll go through the National League after we talk about uh, the AL. So, the Yankees have an 11.5 game lead over the Rays in the American League East. That's pretty secure. The Central is where it gets interesting. The Twins only have a 3.5 game lead over the Indians in the Central. And then in the West, the Astros have a 10 game lead over the Oakland Athletics. So if the playoffs were sort to of start today, you would have the Yankees, Twins, and Astros, and then in the wild card game you would have the A's and the Indians. And the Rays are a game back and the Red Sox are five games back. It's really there's only two teams competing for a wild card or there's four teams competing for two wild card spots in the American League. Rangers are 12 games back and after that, you know, you have the the Detroit Tigers, thirty six games back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, wild card race is heating up, and it's weird as as a Red Sox fan. Last year, it was like I was I really wasn't even concerned or worried about not getting first place in the league. Now I'm worried about them making it into the wild card. They're five games back right now, so it's it's a different, it's a unique position to be in, especially less than a year after you had the you were the best team in baseball, and you were the best Red Sox the best Red Sox team ever, and then you go to we might not even make the playoffs. It's a very uh, very interesting odd position to. To be in, but it is cool to see how the race is heating up. You know, at the beginning of the season, uh, when the Red Sox were when the Red Sox were doing bad, you know, we kind of had the Rays in first place, and it was going to be the Rays, Twins, and Astros. We all expect to see Astros. The Astros, unless something happens with Oakland, um, the Astros are going to win their division. So we all people kind of thought, oh, it's the Rays, the Twins, and the Astros. And then in the wild card, you know, maybe the Red Sox will squeak in, but it'll probably be the A's and the Yankees. You know, and I I held out hope that the Yankees would get knocked out of the uh, playoffs. But to see the Rays fall so far behind the Yankees and just to see how, how this American League is shaped up to not be, I don't think anything close to what we thought at the beginning of the year. How it is shaped up to be that, I think is very uh, I think it's very exciting to watch.
1: You 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 know, you well, okay, we'll pick on the Red Sox. All right. You look, they're ten games above five hundred, right? Yeah. Not, not bad. It's not bad. I mean, there's a lot of teams in the in, the, in both leagues who would love to be ten games over five hundred at this this date on August 29th. But uh, if you if you shifted the Red Sox to the National League with which today's generation with uh, shifting and moving franchises around as they see fit on a whim, uh, you actually be tied with the Nationals. Um, I'm not sure about percentage-wise, but at least uh, looking at the standings from my perspective here on Fangraphs, uh, you'd uh, be tied with the Nationals for the wild card, the top wild card seed. So, um uh, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's the way it is set up right now. You guys really don't have a chance, even with David Price scheduled to come back on Sunday. It's too little, too late. Uh, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be enough. Yeah. Plus, but the Indians, the Indians, uh, they've got a really good shot to become much stronger as the week goes on. Yeah, I don't, months. I don't think
0: the Sox could leap over two teams, leap over the Rays, and then leap over either the Indians or the Athletics. So yeah you'd
1: need an implosion of one of those teams, and I don't think I don't think that's going to happen and what, how that would happen is mainly through injuries, but Kluber's supposed to be coming back soon uh one of the greatest stories of the season, Carlos Carrasco is supposed to be pitching on Sunday, coming back for the indies Indians at so, wow yeah that's that's big big news that's that's, that's
0: very good news here
1: oh yeah, I mean, I hope that game sells out i don't where's Cleveland at this weekend? I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, but, um, but anyway, yeah, I think that's, um, uh, it's, I think you're, you're, you're spot on, at least at this point, as far as the way, the way you're seeing how the wild card matchups are going up, uh, the Yankees are just, um, I, I don't, I just don't like them. I don't, is that, is that, is that a good enough summarization of?
0: Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't like the Yankees. I don't like the Yankees. It's just so...
1: It's just it's been like that for generations, too. It's just always the Yankees have a good team. The best the best times of my life and the first impressions that I had were when the Yankees were a terrible baseball team from the late 60s up until the uh, like the uh, like the 1974, 75. That uh, was like the greatest because they were they had they were bought by CBS at the time. And uh, CBS didn't know how to run a baseball team, obviously, a corporate entity like that. But um, it was some great days for me. It was the Yankees stunk. There was nothing to worry about. Baseball was fun again. Uh, but yeah. then the Yankees came back, and it's the same old thing. You know, when you got the deep enough pockets, you can spend money, and you get these. So you know, they, the the whining about the Yankees and the injuries, it doesn't really doesn't really bother me at all whether the Yankees have people hurt or not. But it'd be nice to see them struggle for a wild card once in
0: a while. So it'd but, be nice. I mean, last year I thought it would. Last year I think was the closest we've gotten in a while to having the Yankees struggle because it was you know the Red Sox Indians and Astros and then the wild card was I think what was it the Rays had a wild card spot and or no no the Rays didn't have a wild. who was a wild card? who was the who was the fourth wild card team last year it was the Yankees? Oh my goodness. And the wasn't the twins. No, it was the Yankees in Oakland. It was the Yankees in Oakland, and um, I thought that the Rays would leapfrog over the Yankees and you know, they didn't so it, it, it's nice to th- see the Yankees fail once in a while. That always warms someone's heart, but it doesn't look like they'll be doing that anytime soon. They have a very young team, they have a deep farm system, so the Yankees. We'll see how they last in the playoffs though. They're pitching as suspect, so we'll see how that goes for. Yep. 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 We'll
1: uh we'll we'll all be cheering for whoever's playing the Yankees.
0: Yes. Alright, so let's move on to the National League. So I'm just gonna read off the division leaders. And the National League is much more tight, um, at least in two of the divisions in the American League. So in the National League East, the Braves are ahead of the Nationals by five and a half games. In the Central, the Cardinals are two games ahead of the Cubs and five and a half games ahead of the Brewers. And then in the West, the Dodgers are 20 games ahead of the Diamondbacks. So the Dodgers are just running away with that division. Um, but then we go to the wild card and the two wild, if the playoffs were to end, if the playoffs were to start today, it would be the Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, and then the Cubs and Nationals in a wild card game with the Phillies two games back. Brewers three and a half games back, the Mets four, Diamondbacks four and a half, Giants six, and Reds eight. So I remember, I think it was the last show, or maybe it was the show before that, one of my, I think my matchup of the week or my series of the week revolved around the NL Central and how close the NL wildcard race was, it's starting, starting to get more clear who's... Who's more in the running for that? You know, the Giants are six games back. The Reds are eight games back. The Reds, interestingly enough, are the only team below 500 with a positive run differential. And the uh, Brewers and Phillies are the only teams above 500 with a negative run differential. But I think the NL wild card race is, NL, NL race for playoffs, NL playoff race is much closer and but it is but it is winding down so. yeah yeah the- but Bryce Harper's Phillies Bryce Harper's Phillies might not make it that 300 $300 million plus signing <laughs> might not make it
1: <laughs> You sound like a Nationals fan all of a sudden
0: I'm just saying, if we did a segment on overrated baseball players, Bryce Harper will be my number one guy.
1: <laughs> you know what? There's a big series this weekend too, Brewers and Cubs. Yeah. Are you know that's that's going to tell a lot. And unfortunately for the Brewers, though, Mustaka's his um, his left wrist or his right wrist. It's all uh, from what I understand. It's it's um, swollen up, and uh, they there's no structural damage. But I don't care. When it hurts in August, it's not going to feel any better in September. When your wrist is swollen up and you're swinging a bat every day, so that's going to hurt the Brewers quite a bit. I, I hate to say that. I like the Brewers, but you know, when your best your best producers is starting to get hurt, that's going to hurt your chances, and that makes it that makes it that much easier for the Cubs to to, to be able to walk away this weekend with, a, with at least taking the series.
0: Yeah. Um, so with the uh, with the playoff races heating up, the one race that nobody really ever talks about is the race for the first draft pick in yeah. this year's draft. So the four teams under 400, which are I guess you could say in the race, are the Marlins, 47 and 85. The Royals forty-seven and eighty-seven, the Orioles forty-four and eighty-nine, and the team that looks like they're going to take it, the Detroit Tigers at thirty-nine and ninety-one.
1: Yeah, I know. We're really excited in Detroit. This is really, really big. Game. Yeah, you guys
0: haven't had a first-round draft, uh, first number one pick in a while,
1: right? right? We had it oh, last. Oh
0: wait. Oh, wait, that was two years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Casey Mize last year. And so we've been drafting a lot of pitchers, and so we've got uh, too much pitching because it doesn't really follow the template that was set by the Astros. Or the Astros, when they were building up their farm system, they went mainly for hitters. So we'll see how this works with Detroit, which in a way, the old baseball maxim, you know, good pitching always beats good hitting. Uh, Maybe that'll work out in this case. But we'll see Alex Avila, uh, Al Avila, as they call him. He's uh, the, the general manager there. That's uh, Al's dad. And uh, he's just signed a, uh, an extension on his contract, a three-year extension. So uh, that sent up a few groans in Detroit. It's like, oh, man, which direction are we planning on going? This is the wrong guy for this job. Yeah. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's a four-and-a-half game lead. Detroit is a four-and-a-half game lead here with the, in the, near the tail end of August. And we've got a, we just, uh, we're finishing up with Cleveland. Uh, I think today is our last game with Cleveland, and then we've got the Twins, the top two teams in the Central Division. We've got you know back-to-back series, so we really should not have much success there. I mean, uh, Miguel Cabrera has uh, had to pull himself out of the game a couple of nights ago, and that's always good if you're racing for the first-round draft pick. You want to make sure that you know your your best hitter on the team isn't playing, so that works in our favor as well. But on the downside too, for Baltimore, uh, I, I get a sense of Baltimore really doesn't look at themselves as a bad baseball team. They don't. Detroit knows it. I think their roster, that they, they these guys, they sit in the locker room. I think they know that they're bad, and they're all yeah. for spots uh, for next season to up their uh, their, um, their their their, their, um, their value to the to the team. At least, maybe not to the team, but at least to other teams as well. And so, but with Baltimore, they uh, just uh, uh, was it last week. Chris Davis got into a shouting match in yeah. the, the dugout with uh, with the manager. Um, uh, there was another blow up last night. Blyer, one of the relief pitchers, got in an argument with one of the other coaches in the dugout. It's all visible right there. So these guys in Baltimore, I think they actually think that they're they're supposed to be winning games, which is kind of ironic that they're racing for the worst record in baseball. But I think that might have a lot to do with management styles, too. Ron Gardenhire is, uh he's much more of a fatherly figure, I think, and he's more of a leader in that sense. Whereas, uh, I forgot the Baltimore manager's name, but I... I yeah, when I watch him on, uh, on TV. I watch him do his post-game interviews. And, uh, he's, I, don't, I just don't picture him as the right manager for this team. So if Baltimore's going to move in another direction... They've got to get rid of him. He just doesn't seem to have that type of relationship with his players that he should have. He seems more aloof, and uh, I think he might even not even have a manager's mentality. I think he might have more of a player's mentality, and, and that doesn't translate because a manager has to be able to, to be able to communicate with all personalities. Yeah. And uh, so I uh,
0: well, the Orioles just fired a bunch of people in their scouting and um, their front office, and in their front office. So. It'll be interesting to see if Mike Elias decides to stick with Brandon Hyde for the long run. if Because ideally, what would ideally happen for the Orioles is in four years, the Orioles are competing for a wild card spot. Four or five years, the Orioles are competing. Again, you know, they're in the talk. They might not be, you know, competing as much as, say, the Rays are right now or the Yankees are, but they might be like the Athletics or they might be like the Rangers, you know, the Rangers were in it up until a month ago. so they might be competing and is Mike is Brandon Hyde someone that Michael Elias wants to have stick around? Is he the guy that he thinks can lead his team into the future and lead his team in the winning? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Grant Brandon Hyde's a great manager, but I don't know. I haven't seen a ton from him. I mean, I haven't, like, paid attention deeply, but he does not strike me as a manager that can necessarily do that. Nope. So.
1: No, there's some, and there's, some, there's some good managers that are out there, too, I think. But, um, but, John uh,
0: Farrell's still out of a job.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm trying to um, find some information here. There's this manager... Oh man, this is terrible. This is terrible. I can't remember his name. He's another guy that's been out for I think he was out last year and he's out this year too. Proven winner. He was the Orioles manager, I think. Just recently. Tony was the manager of the Yankees recently? Oh my goodness. Manager the Yankees. Texas. This is terrible. I can't find his name. I'm I'm wasting time. But um but yeah. Well, you know, it's it's I think I think there's I think it's I don't think it's going to be that close. I watch Baltimore. I think Baltimore has better pitching right now. Detroit. Oh, yeah. Detroit's talking about uh, lightening up the load on on, on their starters already, uh, letting them just go four or five innings and then pull them out, whether they're doing good or not. They did that with Jordan Zimmerman just a couple of nights ago. Who's starting to bounce back a little bit? He's had he had a, good, a couple of good starts there, but it's um it's just it's just not enough, and he's always hurt all the time, but. Uh, uh, yeah, Baltimore just seems to have some better pitchers at the moment. And uh, th- I think if they're going to be making a leap anytime soon, they'll do it first before Detroit does. I think Detroit's got um, to th- – the way they're working things right now through a farm system, strictly a farm system, this is uh, just it's just a waste of time. It's, it's, it's a recipe for disaster. And this is – the heartbreak's going to continue in Detroit for many years unless they change general manners and maybe even ownership. Ownership might be a, a wise move if we could if we could switch that out. But uh, after this sale of the Kansas City team, the, the number that was put out about the price tag on that franchise, uh, gosh, you know, it'd be just it's amazing to see what it would be for the Detroit Tigers if they went up for sale.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think the Tigers are much of a much much bigger market, but it'd be interesting to see. I don't know. Do you envision the Tigers ever going up for sale? Or do you think that they could come to that point?
1: You know, it's funny you mention that because uh, there's this uh, the, 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 the local newspapers are always they're always floating out these things. You know, there's this uh, there's this guy who owns a, a he's got a franchise of. Uh, coffee shops in Michigan—they're—they're they're big in Michigan, and they're making their way through the Midwest right now. I forgot the name of the of the business, but it's like a drive-up coffee shop, and they're all over the place. They're gaining popularity, and the guy's making a ton of money. He's making a lot of money, and uh, somehow, one way or another, uh, somebody at the, the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News got word about this guy whose dream has always been to own the Detroit Tigers, and so they interviewed him, and uh, it's it's it's. It's like a subliminal message that's being sent across the bow of uh, Detroit's ownership. It's like you know what, if you don't want to build the Tigers into a legitimate winner, winner, and you're talking about building up a farm system and and not not showing any inclination to to buy a free agent and establish star then maybe you should sell and here's a here's a guy a coffee shop guy who's really would love to take over and turn the yeah. tigers into a winner you know so th- these kind of things happen and i don't think people really catch it away the same way that i do because when i see stories like that 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 kind of just uh sends a signal that yeah there's a lot of people that are disgruntled with the ownership right now i'm similar with the detroit lions but that's another another topic but um Gosh, I don't know what the record is for first-round draft picks in baseball, but, gosh, I hope the Tigers don't break that
0: record. Yeah. Well, hey, I mean, I know people in Baltimore are, are – it's a, it's a mixed – it's kind of a mixed bag. It's like they're good, the Orioles. They're good. They're better than they were last year, and there's definite improvement. But they still want that number one draft pick. Yeah. I, I, have, I have no idea what the draft – is going to look like next year. Um, I don't know who's on the market, who could who could possibly go. Um, but it's yeah. uh, it's something to. Uh, I feel like we're having the same four teams as last year. You know, Marlins, Royals, Tigers, Orioles.
1: Yeah, I, I out of all those four teams, I think the Orioles are the closest to um turning it around quickly. The quickest one to turn it around uh you know they, yeah. they they gave up on Machado that was obvious from the beginning and I think that was for the from a practical business standpoint I think that was a great decision for the Orioles because he is overpriced overrated player he's not worth that much money you can find better value for your dollar by signing other free agents um maybe even
0: I t- take Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers any day of the week over Machado Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I think the Orioles looked at it that way too. So now they can, if they just wait it out, they've, they've got some, I I watch the Orioles consistently. I I, actually, I I prefer to watch the Orioles just because Gary Thorne and Jim Palmer do the games on TV. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys are brilliant. Oh,
0: they're amazing. They're some of the better TV announcers in baseball.
1: They don't, they're not like ESPN where they just sit there like stat nerds and just quote stats all night. They actually. Gary Thorne he calls the game efficiently and he has a sense of humor and Jim Palmer he, he teaches you baseball he doesn't throw stats at you he'll, he'll give you statistics when it's necessary but he'll he'll teach you the game and that's just I, I I'm a student of the game and I just I just love listening to those two guys call a game it's, it's, it's a lot of fun but um, if uh, if Baltimore uh, they spend their money wisely on a free agent or two this winner, uh, they've they've got a lot of the other tools in place. Santander is, is is really showed some consistency. I thought he was going to be a fluke in the beginning, but he's starting to play much much yeah. better. He's maintaining that. He's been hitting. He's hot lately. Um, I know we lost uh, we the Orioles lost Cashner, which uh, that might have been a good move in a sense. So we'll see how it works out as far as the players. I could, I could
0: definitely see the Orioles finishing above four hundred next year. Four hundred. Four hundred. <laughs> I, I could definitely see it. Not, not, not 500. No, 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 we're not crazy here. But 400, I could definitely see it next year. I mean, they're around 330, 336 right now. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I could see it. I mean, maybe you can consider that a hot take or a bold prediction for next year. But I think that is a, I think it's a possibility. And then we'll see where they go from there. Well, so How
1: uh, about? Uh, I, I, t- I think that sounds. Um, uh, you know, you, you
0: think that's too bold, or
1: no? I, I think they could. I think with. I'm just saying, with a free agent, if they sign a good key free agent, I think that they could turn it around really, really quick. I think they got some good pitching right now. They might want to add,
0: uh, you know, a mid mid range. I think they. I think they need some bullpen help more than anything. I think their starting pitching can get them through four, five innings, but. Once that bullpen comes in, you know, Miguel Castro, Michael Gibbons, it's it's rocky. It's very rocky. So it'd be you, interesting to see.
1: Do you wanna do you wanna know why I, I care about the Orioles so much? What's the real truth? What's that? Um Al Kaline is from Baltimore, Maryland. So uh huh. I've always had a special place in my heart for Baltimore uh through the years. So yep. Mr Tiger. Mr. Tiger yeah. Baltimore, yes.
0: Uh, yeah, that's awesome. yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. All right. Well, that will be this week's show for. But um, that'll be this week's show for Back of the Rotation. I know it was a little shorter, um, but we're glad to be back. Glad to be giving you guys a show. Make sure to check us out on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify. Back of the Rotation and Twitter and Instagram at BOTRpod. Pod. We'll be. I'll, I'll be putting on social media. You know when we're going to be doing a show, what the schedule may look like, if anything, for a show. Before we, before we do another show, it will, it'll be on uh, Twitter and Instagram when we're doing that show. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Um, thank you guys for listening, and thank you, Greg, for coming I guess, on. got, I, I, well, yeah, I, I got, I got, I got a letter um,
1: from okay. uh, one of our fans in uh, Marine City, Michigan, and they, they're asking what that song is at the start of
0: the the intro to uh to our podcast oh that song is i used to do a podcast a year or so ago um another one and i got my friend to make me an intro um so it's not it's nothing it's nothing special it's just something my friend mixed together
1: wow not bad not bad at all it's kind of like a heavy metal jazzy type of
0: yeah, yeah, you know, I think I think it works as a good intro song. So
1: yeah, yeah, I was I was actually considering submitting my request to have you play the Detroit Tiger uh, theme song. It's like a minute long. <laughs> it's a really catchy tune. and it was written way back in '68. So I
0: think I think you've shown that you've shown that to me before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe it'll make an appearance on one of these episodes. Maybe. All right,
1: promise me this: if the Tigers, when the Tigers, when the Tigers clinch the first round
0: draft pick. we can start the show with that song. Yes. Yes. When they clinch the first round draft pick, we will start the show with that song. You heard it here. August 29th, you heard it here. When the Tigers clinched the first round draft pick, we will start the show with that song. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in, and thank you, Greg, for coming on.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm sorry we didn't have time for my
0: dad joke, but we'll we'll try again next time. We'll save it. Maybe we'll do two dad jokes next week. Oh, (laughs) okay. All right. Well, thank you, guys, and we will see you later. We're out.